0: All right, we are in the last week of this sermon series uh, called Resurrection Eve. Um, if it's your first time here, um, we, my name's Chase, and uh, we've been in this sermon series that is, in essence, giving vocabulary and language to the fact that we're experiencing a lot of change. Um, in our church fam, um, and even beyond just our church family, many individuals who are part of our church family are experiencing lots of change, and our world is too. Um, uh, I have now had three very, very apocalyptic-style dreams because of our world right now. Um, It just is what it is. It's kind of—it's a part of where we are. (laughs) It's just a part of what it is. Um, And that's just been this year. My Lord. (laughs) So how is it that we, as the body of Christ, manage and go through change together— But then also, how is it that we specifically, unison, navigate this together? Resurrection Eve is that acknowledgement that if we're going to get to resurrection, if we're going to get to spring, that means that something dies. That means that there's a winter. And that's what this series has been about. And we have gone through talking about a spiritual winter as a church, talking about dying to self, last week with them testimonies. Oh my goodness. I needed that. (laughs) I needed that. And today we're turning our eyes toward spring. Here's what I want to say. That doesn't mean that all of a sudden, yay, we snap our fingers and we're there. Resurrection. Okay, we're done. No. But a part of how we do this as a church family is that we don't get stuck in winter, (laughs) right? We we acknowledge and we stay in the grave as long as we need to, but we don't get stuck there because that's not what our Savior did, and that's, so that's not what happens. We turn our eyes toward spring. And so the name of the sermon is Roll the Stone Away. As we start to turn our eyes toward what's happening with us as a church family. Um, next, uh, we'll be in Numbers and Isaiah. Some of you are like, Numbers? <laughs> what in the world we got in Numbers? So <laughs> it may, it'll make sense when we get there. <laughs> it'll make sense when we get there. No, it won't be all the genealogies, right? Like, <laughs> Trust me. And then we'll be in Isaiah. Um, and so starting in Numbers chapter 13, just for us to kind of catch up to where we are in the story, the beginning of Numbers is a bunch of names. We're not starting there, but there is this retelling of the story of when Moses led the children of Israel out of captivity, right? So they're in this place now where there's been the, all the plagues, the splitting of the Red Sea. One of my favorite things about the story of the Exodus is all of the powerful display of our God and the intimacy of our God too, right? Like, it's not just that the plagues happened. It's not just that the splitting of the Red Sea, but that God came in the form of a pillar of smoke to guide them where they were going and was behind them with a pillar of fire to like, yeah, you shall not pass, (laughs) right? Like basically, (laughs) that was what God was doing in the back. Like, I know you're coming after him, Pharaoh. You shall not pass, right? God is Showing all the way out, <laughs> making ways in deserts, literally. And they receive the Ten Commandments. They all doing weird stuff at this point. It's getting real they real messy. And they are approaching the promised land. Moses says, hey, I need to send some people in the promised land, 12 spies. Go check it out. Come back and let me know what you see. Let's tell the people what's there. And that's where we're jumping in. Numbers chapter 12, verse 25, it starts here. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men return. That's 12 spies that he sent out. They returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. I'm going to pause this right there because I also want to make sure we set this up. They've been wandering now for 40 years, right? If just reminding ourselves of this story. And for those of you for this might be a new story They didn't just go from Egypt to the promised land. They were kind of supposed to, but then it got messy, (laughs) right? So they're in this promised land waiting, and they're there now. They've been wandering for a minute, getting, honestly, just what God has for them, manna and just quails that he sends in from the wind. They've been eating the same Chick-fil-A, I don't care how good Chick-fil-A is. They've been eating the same thing every day now, (laughs) as long as they've been out in this wilderness. And they showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. Bunch of folks that are intimidating them. <laughs> the Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. Those are a bunch of things that don't mean much to us because. That's just not, we're not a part of that culture, but let me paint the picture for us. These are a group of people who have every generation that's wandering around in the desert at this point has known nothing but slavery. This is not a group of people that were, we were powerful and then we were captured and now we're... Back to being powerful, this is a, these are a group of people who from their conception, every single one of them have known they've been nothing but slaves and only good for making bricks and doing Pharaoh's work. That's all they do, that's all they know. Seven days a week at the beck and call of someone with a whip, come do what I'm telling you to do right now. That's what they know. So everyone is intimidating to them. <laughs> Everyone is. That's an important puzzle piece. So they're listing off all these people, but it literally could be anybody (laughs) because we don't even know what we're out here doing. It continues, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. This is why it seemed like Caleb was smoking. (laughs) Right? I'm just saying, like, they're intimidated by everybody. So what are you on, Caleb? (laughs) But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there. The descendants of Anak. People, excuse me, next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. Then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they would rather have died in Egypt than be where they are going into this land. They complain. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in the battle Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Random copy-paste profile, Caleb. I wanted us to have that. All of what they've seen. Moses, this prince of Egypt, returns back from his own wilderness experience, says that God is delivering us. We're going into this next new thing where we are emancipated. Just stay with me. Plague after plague after plague after plague. God's powerful hand moving in their midst. God literally breaking the arm like the power of Pharaoh to let these people out. Pillars of fire, pillars of cloud. You're walking in the middle of a sea. And you get to a place where you're intimidated by the people and you want to go back. That's where they are. And I wanted us to see that because they're not the only ones who do that. (laughs) We do that too. But here's the problem. You can't actually unsee all of that. You can't unsee a pillar of fire following you. You can't unsee a pillar of smoke. You can't undo walking through a red sea. You can't undo frogs showing up out of nowhere and gnats and stuff falling out of the sky. You just can't undo that. So here's the thing. It doesn't matter how much they wanted to go back. They never could. Fam, I wanted us to see this because we're there. It doesn't... There's, the road ahead of us is exciting, filled with milk and honey and really big fruit, grapes that's like, oh man, that's a lot of communion juice. And it comes with challenges that are intimidating. Some things that I have to grow through as a leader. Some things that y'all gonna have to grow through as we have to grow through as a family and it will be intimidating and at some point there will be a moment where it's like, man, it was easier when we was, ah. you can't undo what just happened. You can't undo God moving the way that God's moved. You can't ungrieve. <laughs> it's just not how that works. You can't not see what God is doing next. You can't pretend that God didn't say that we're changing something. But that's where the children of Israel were, and that's actually what messed them up. (laughs) That made them stay in that wilderness longer than they needed to. So I'm saying, as we turn, as we roll away the stone, as we turn our eyes towards spring. I want us to have a cautionary tale before we get into the good stuff. I'm not interested in us being a church family that looks ahead and sees intimidation when we've also can look behind us and see how amazing and big God is. So let's have a moment where we remember the testimonies that we heard last week of God walking with people through their winters and seeing them into their springs. Let's remember that we have church family members who have been delivered from cancer. God is with us. <laughs> Let's remember that we, have, that we have consistently been growing in our connectedness, and our growing in our fellowship, growing in our attendance, growing in every area in which you would say, yep, God's in it. That's what we're doing. Has it come with challenges? Yeah. The Israelites had to deal with frogs too. (laughs) But God was in it, moving on their behalf, saying this is where we are, and we're moving to something different. Let's not look ahead at what challenges may be there and be intimidated by them. I want to give us some practical things as well. So... Some of you really like practical things. You're like, I need something I can take home. There's <laughs> just some four A's because pastors and preachers like alliteration. It's the only reason, ain't nothing holy about it. <laughs> it's just easy to remember. <laughs> when we're talking about following God and change together, following what God is changing together, the first thing that we need to do, and with something that we've already done, is attune ourselves to the voice of God. Hear slash receive. <laughs> the season is changing. Amen. A lot of times we struggle sticking around in one, wandering around in one desert because we simply will not turn our ears toward heaven. <laughs> Listen, and when you hear it, receive it. Some of us like we heard in it, and, la 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 <laughs> receive it. Attune is that first one. The season is changing. Next one. Acknowledge. Believe the new season is coming. And here's the thing many of us struggle here because. We're not only in the conflict of our own emotions, but we also sometimes struggle saying that something is the Holy Spirit. I'm using those words on purpose. Something. Because oftentimes in our culture, we'll hear people say, something told me I should. (laughs) Something, I felt something. Something, something has a name. (laughs) Something has a name. Holy Spirit. Let me tell you if you, let me tell, I'm gonna give you a hint right now. If you are uncomfortable with it, it's most likely the Holy Spirit, (laughs) especially if it's changed, right? Holy Spirit isn't gonna say, keep on doing what you're doing, baby, it's working out, (laughs) especially if it ain't working out. (laughs) That's just not how Holy Spirit works. Holy Spirit's like, get up at three o'clock in the morning, I'm going in a different direction. What? That's the Holy Spirit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing I don't hear from God by myself. Okay, well, you're starting to feel like mm, this is not a good fit anymore. Something's wrong about this. You've walked into work, gotten to your desk, and this is more than just I'm annoyed by the tasks. I don't feel like I belong here anymore. Something has a name. I'm restless. I feel like I'm just not growing in my faith. Something's missing. Something has a name. <laughs> it's cuz you you're not where you're supposed to be anymore. Amen. Acknowledging that That's something that's moving. Holy Spirit, I don't know exactly what that is. God, I don't know exactly what that means, but I am at least acknowledging that something is different. I'm turning my ears toward you. I'm starting to even have some vulnerable conversations. A part of acknowledging is starting to have some vulnerable conversations. This is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm hearing. Most of us, I won't say most, many of us have a pattern. We feel that. We stick around until God has to literally kick us out. Get up. (laughs) I know you felt that last year. Get out of here. (laughs) And then we're wondering why we're struggling and wondering why life is beating me up because you're not where you're supposed to be. Acknowledge that something, the Holy Spirit is making a change. Disclaimer, your dissatisfaction is not the Holy Spirit, (laughs) okay? So, there is a line there. I'm not saying that you feel dissatisfied, and that's the Holy Spirit moving. There is something that we feel, especially those of us who have been walking with the Lord, and even just those of us who are paying attention to what's happening in our own bodies, (laughs) this doesn't feel like it's right. And it doesn't really have many other words than that. So I'm telling you, don't immediately quit your job. (laughs) Acknowledge. Seek the Lord. Have some vulnerable conversations. Get with some people who love you, who also are listening to the Spirit and who are not in the fog. (laughs) Right? Right? So they can help you say, mm, yeah, bro, yeah, that feels like the Holy Spirit to me. Or yes, it probably is time for a change. But acknowledging it is the point. Attune, acknowledge, discern the needed changes, and then adapt. So here's, here's something that's interesting because I'll I'll give you already the next one, which is adopt, but we're going to stay here at adapt for a moment. Many of us think that we need to make the change, but we need to be in the next season before we start making changes. Nope. Prepare for the new season. Prepare for the new season. After I've heard from the Lord and I've received that something is changing and I've acknowledged that and I've gone through, and that acknowledgement piece has some grief to it, but adapting means I'm starting to move in that direction. I start taking steps toward it. I know it. I can't go back now. Once you stepped in the Red Sea, ain't no going back to Egypt. (laughs) That just is what it is. So, I'm starting to make some changes so that the season, when it actually falls, I get to walk with a stride and some sense of confidence. What are those changes? It's different per whatever the season is. But begin to seek the Lord. What things do I need to shift? Get with those same people you talked about in the acknowledgement place where there's, they're not in the fog. Help me see what needs to change. And when, it, when you start changing, grieve. We've walked through this already as a family, as a church. Had, couple of weeks ago when we were praying together and crying together. and That's what that is. This is adapting. The season hasn't changed completely yet, but we can't wait till the season changes for us to actually start living in some different behaviors. And the last one is adopt, and I say adopt by embracing the new season. When I come to this thing, that is a new season, not trying to go back to Egypt. I. This is what it is now. None of these are easy A's. We won't have to work for these A's. <laughs> just being honest, none of them are easy A's. We have to actually work for them. And there's not one, honestly, I'm convinced there's not one that's more difficult than the other, but there is a point where you get critical mass and you just can't go back. Once you start adapting, going back actually is putting new wine in old wineskins. And we already talked about that week one. It blows up in your face. <laughs> I begin living in the new rhythms. This is from the beginning of this sermon series. It's been about how do we as a church family have language for how we navigate big change together. This honestly has been how we've been doing it over this weekend, kind of prepping this sermon throughout the weekend, like, Lord, what, has, what have we actually been doing? Oh, this is what we've been doing. And this is kind of where we are now in the embracing the new season space. So I want to remind us something from that first week. It was in Isaiah. Isaiah 43, for I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me, the jackals and the owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. Here's one thing I want to say out loud because I like pointing to elephants. Many of us sit in these moments and, what's the change? Just say it. (laughs) I think the truth is we're still turning our eyes toward what it is. One of the things that happened in November of last year, um, I started really, really, actually many of you were already sensing that things are changing. Something, something's happening. And I'm like, I can't see it. I can't feel it. Not that I don't trust you. I just don't see it. I don't feel it. So God help me. It was right around, around middle of November that I started to really sense that too. I was like, okay, well then what are we doing? And that's when, I noticed in me, God, the something Holy Spirit telling me, stop looking ahead to where we're going and look at the sheep. Amen. Amen. Look at the people, which is really, it's a very different kind of way of pastoring. Like a part of what I've seen my role last year is look ahead to where we're going and we're going to march in, like, you know, and then you've got people that are around you that are going to help to make sure that we're all moving in the same direction. Glory to God, we take the hill in Jesus' name. Woo! Turn around and look at the people. Don't look where we're going right now. Turn around and look at the people. So, in the beginning of November, in the middle of November, was turning around and actually seeing who is actually hurting and lagging behind and challenge and challenges and who is experiencing dot dot dot. Okay God. But in the middle of December started kind of whispering a part of where we're going has to do with us all being in this together. As those leadership roles started kind of moving and people stepping out of those places and it becoming apparent that other changes needed to be made in leadership, God was really clear. We're not backfilling those. What, God? (laughs) What do you mean we're not backfilling those? (laughs) We're not backfilling those. Okay. Why? Because we're doing something new. What do you mean we're doing something new? We're doing something different. So, while I don't have exact practicality, and we'll be talking about this a little bit more in our family meeting to get some nuts and bolts, I want to let you know at least what I see and what I hear now. That Unison, in our beginning, when we first launched nine years ago, recruited people to help build and honestly carry the ministry and the work and the care of Unison. And they have served us wonderfully. So wonderfully. But a part of where God is going now is it's been built. It can walk. (laughs) I really believe, church family, we're maturing into a different age as a church, which means that we are Believe that God's doing something in us individually because God's doing in something in us collectively as well. So, when I said in that first week that some of you have been chomping at the bit to get engaged, in, yep, that's I truly do believe that God is changing and moving unison from its little kid stage to an adolescent stage, which all means awkward. Long arms, learning how to run again. <laughs> uh, I got to look at the time. I got to make sure I'm going to get on time. I'll save that for the family meeting. <laughs> it's, it's not particularly holy. God, <laughs> it's not unholy, but it's just not like something that we need. <laughs> Go on to the next slide for me. God is doing a new thing. And is already with us there. (laughs) I wanted to remind us, because this slide of God is doing a new thing, dot, 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 was in that first sermon, but the and is already with us there part was added for this week. God doesn't care about time and will be with us where we were, where we are, and where we will be. And so I have full confidence in God being with us already there. Some of us are like, but we don't have all of the same training and maturity that some of the other leaders had. It's okay. God was with us at the beginning, and God's already with us there. <laughs> we don't know exactly what's going to look like for the communication of all that. It's okay. God was with us when we started. And something new. Something new. Something new. Something new. Something new. Something new. New, 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 and, 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 and is, and is and is and is all, and, and is already, and is already, and is already with us there, and the last reminder is honestly from the first reminders, trust, God is doing good. God is doing good, you, sisters, brothers, may find yourself intimidated or unsure about what is next. This is a reminder for all of us. One of the things that's the most challenging things for me as a lead pastor is not being able to provide immediate answers when there are questions. Those of you who have children, this might be a weird, that you might experience where they come up to you and they ask a question and you have no real answer for it, but they have the most sincere, I really need an answer look on their face, and you make up something. <laughs> and then you fact check real quick to make sure you didn't just lie to your kids. (laughs) (laughs) One of the most challenging things to do has been really to not do that, to be honest about the fact that, you know what? We sense and feel that God's doing something different and it's new, and there's a sense of anticipation, but the truth is, what it all looks like at the end, we're just trusting God together for. That's it. A few weeks back I had some conversations with some pastors whom have been in ministry for multiple decades. I'm like help me know I'm not going crazy. And each and every one of them said, "Oh yeah, that happens." And it happens The first time where you really don't know what the next thing is? Around the 200 mark. (laughs) When there's about 200 people that call your church home, that's when it's like everything changes. Literally everything changes. You have to lead in a different way, Chase. The congregation has to be a different way. The leaders all start shifting. The songs, the lights, everything just starts shifting. And you have to just trust that God's on the other side of that too. For the last maybe month or so, our average attendance has been around 150, around there, here in the building. And nobody comes every week. (laughs) On paper, Unison has about 227 people that call this home. Just is where we are. It brings me some assurance to know that this is not the only church family that's ever experienced this. But I want to be honest with you in saying that I'm still trusting God about what's next too, and I want to be together in that. So we'll talk about some practical stuff in terms of the, you know what we can expect and how we're gonna be moving together, but. Um, the last thing I'll leave us with, as um, I had a conversation this past week, uh, or actually just a few days ago, um, <clears throat> side note, your, this, this church family's worship team is just great. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just saying that because truly, like, so we, we led worship for a conference here in town on Friday night. And y'all, they did an amazing job. Like, really, really did an amazing job. I'm like, I, I like felt like, dang, we good. Let's go unison. Because <laughs> um, I've gotten to do different things in the city and bring together people and you know musicians from different places. I Was like, nope. I'm just take our, take some of our folks with me and and constantly, consistently while we're there, people like, oh my gosh, the team, oh my gosh, this, oh my gosh, that. But I had a vulnerable moment with one of the leaders there and talking about just where we are and the overwhelming sense of encouragement was um, they've been serving in ministry for 30 plus years and never have seen a church family talk about it. They felt it three times, but never seen a church family actually talk about it. And actually, we're doing this together. And so I'm, that was encouraging to me, but I also wanna say it's in, like, I wanna encourage you. You're sticking into this and figuring out and being in the ambiguity of it. You're doing something that not every other church family does. I'm proud of us. I'm proud of us for not pretending. I'm proud of us for grieving together. I'm proud of us for listening to the Lord together. I'm proud of us for saying, I have no idea what's next, but God is there, so we are good. I'm proud of us for that and look forward to, as we go into that next season, how God says, uh, when well, we were able to look back and say, oh, that's what you were doing. Oh, it makes so much sense now. Thank you, Lord. Start turning your ears and your eyes toward spring. God's doing something new with our church family. God's doing something new in you. Um, That's something you feel? Start asking, is that you, Holy Spirit? And as we go into the next season, into the next thing, may we go with the joy that of resurrection is on the other side of this.